All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 362. Jason Lingren is with me, as he always is, and Benjamin Balderson. Uh, we went to go record this a few days ago, and then we decided to adjust what we were going to deliver. For those who have followed, you'll understand that we're going to get into, we could call it natural science ideas, maybe. We could call it alchemy, maybe. But we're going to get into ideas that we're going to then try to relate back to nature. In my view, um, as a matter of fact, we'll open we'll open with the sun and the moon. But in my view, if you get complex thoughts that you're having difficulty with, relate them back to the natural world, then you have a foundation to stand on. And not only that, other people can jump in and begin to comprehend. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. All right. Welcome, Ben. How's it going, guys? Hanging in there. Um, we finally got crisp fall days where I am. So uh, I'm hoping we avoid a lot of snow this winter because I'm not a fan. But let's jump in. So a lot of the conversation we're about to have started because of some things you said in a show previous, and this directly relates to the idea of gender. So what is the moon? Is it female? Is it male? What is the sun? Is it female? Is it male? Well, in some parts of Asia, they do it backwards from how the West has treated it. Matter of fact, we even gave the sun a name that implies masculine because we call it the sun. And we all know we're having a boy if we have a son. So these ideas have been ingrained in one way or the other. And I started to realize that my perception of the gender of the sun and moon could be a double reverse. And that when I began to think about it in the other way, it began to back up a prediction that I made, I don't know, in 2013, I think, that basically states when the, when the moon is brand new or when you can't see it, uh, it's see-through. And while it's young, or when that first sliver of the lighting on the edge of the moon comes, we call it a young moon, um, it's still see-through for some period of time. And that related to the whole thing you launched into, which relates basically direct, directly to sexuality. So let's pick up there and see if we can outline where that was going. Absolutely. So on a previous show that I was on, I got... Uh contacted by a gentleman named L.C. King. And uh, he had some ideas on, he was trying to figure out the Zodiac and how these things, we all basically know that the universe is just different layers of energy condensed in different frequencies and such. So he's looking at the Zodiac and he contacted me and wanted to talk to me about some of the alchemical aspects and some of the things in the old mythologies. So that way we could try and uh, work this out according to the world. And we started looking at the world. And so as a basic alchemist, we understand that the sun is going to be gold. The moon is going to be silver. Mars is going to be iron. Venus is going to be copper. Jupiter is going to be tin. Saturn is going to be lead. These are all representative metals. And we all also understand that the sun and the moon are by far and away the most dominant of all these, uh, of all these luminaries. So what Lucas came up with and started tinkering with the idea is that this universe is a battery and that we live in an enclosed system. And the whole thing is just an energetic battery that's operating back and forth with this uh, biochemical uh, electrical operations. So when you look at that and you make the sun 
into a cathode and then the moon into an anode. And then now the other planet or luminaries are going to be the plates in between. So now what we have to look at is a basic galvanic cell. And how does a basic galvanic or voltaic cell work? So you have a cathode and this cathode is going to, is going to be more stable than the anode because of the way this system works. And then now the anode is going to be more unstable because the anode is going to slightly degrade. And as this de degradation happens, it's going to oxidize. And we're going to have two different chemical reactions, both, both that are going to create energy. Now, when this oxidation happens, this, this releases what science today calls electrons. Now, that gets a little bit interesting and confusing because then when you're looking at the way these exchanges happen, they call the positive side ions and then the, neg the negative side electrons, but then they um, make it so electrons are... Uh, apply to everything. So you can't really tell when really it's the negative ion of that particular molecule when you're talking about it. So then the negative ion is going to break off and it's going to leave this positive ion. And this is going to happen with the oxidation. And that's going to take and carry that negative ions over to the cathode. And it's going to charge the cathode and change. Now we've We've this anode has lost two negative and now it's went over and moved over to the cathode. So now because of that, this is going to create a draw where these positive ions are now also going to draw over to the cathode. Now in this, there's a gestation period. Now when the cathode has it, the reactions and these things go into the cathode this is going to be driven by a hydrogen. And so we're going to have a hydrogen reaction that's more like on the anode side, when you look at it, the electron broke out. And so we have like a fission type reaction where now that this is going over and joining into the cathode with a reduction, we have more of a fusion reaction. And as we all know, the fusion is a much stronger, much more energetic reaction than that fission or that breaking apart type reaction. So now that we have both these pieces, we get this hard fusion reaction. And now the sun releases that radiation. But it's only releasing the negative side of the radiation and it hangs on to the positive ions and the cathode actually gets bigger in this uh, reaction. So the anode throughout this is going to ever so slightly sh uh, shrink and the cathode is going to ever so slightly grow. Now, when you're looking at the rest of the system, then from the moon to the next, the moon is silver. So then you move to the next uh, less stable thing and the moon becomes the cathode and the next thing becomes the anode. So this is why alchemically all metals turn into silver before they turn into gold. So all of these things are going to send an energetic chain, just like a, a, the cells of a battery to the anode. And then the anode is going to pass that to the cathode.
does that still work the way that you typically hear the planets laid out? Um, so the idea would be where the third thing from the sun supposedly then would be Mars. So does that work as you roll it out? Um, Mars becomes cathode and Jupiter becomes anode. Does it work if you go all the way down based on the metals? It does. It does. And we have worked, we've been working that out and it's chemically and it's not, and, and it's interesting because then a lot of people, their first thought is to look at the weights and different things like that. But that's not what you look at. You look at the way it chemically breaks down. And then when, and then it's also very interesting because as it goes along in that breakdown, they get less sulfurous and less sulfurous. So the, the, that sulfur component, that live component inside the, inside the, uh, metal, when you're looking at these, uh, noble metals, it's, uh, most people automatically think about how uh, expensive they are and how stable they are. But what they're talking about is the amount of sulfur in there. And as it gets further away from gold, gold is the sulfur. And when it breaks down into these other ones, it gets less and less until you get cleared down into lead, which has just a tiny bit of sulfur in it. And then a whole lot of spirit alchemically, when you're looking at it, like when you're looking at a plant, corn produces the most, uh, ethanol the ethyl alcohol. And ethyl alcohol is then what you use to pull the oil out of a plant. Well, the same applies when you're looking at metals. Lead then has the most, uh, the most like alcohol in it, basically what would be considered the alcohol portion of that. And you pull that out of there and it's got the tiniest, tiniest amount of sulfur. So it's an interesting way to think about things, but if you're starting from the top where the sun is the cathode, um, you're going to start thinking of ideas like that's an uncommon prefix, C-A-T-H, that actually is the prefix for the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is feminine in gender because of the Mother Mary idea being so prominent, um, and that relates back to an older ISIS idea, actually, but are you stating that in this model, the sun has to be feminine on our plane? Absolutely, I am. because, and, and it's interesting because you can easily see where this somewhat gets confused. Okay, So it's, it's taking back and stepping back and looking at the way this transaction is happening in its totality. So basically, um, when you're looking at masculine and feminine, the, the common conception is, is that the masculine you're giving force. It's putting out. And when you look at the sun, the sun is putting forth its radiant energy. And that's what we're taking. And that's what we're on this planet taking in. But they're not looking at this in a situational totality. So when you look at this exchange, the moon is impregnating the sun with these negative ions and then these positive ions. And then, a, and while this whole exchange is happening in between the negative and positive, there's this gestation period. Now, so what we have when we break this down into nature is we have a man and a woman, and he has inseminated this woman. We have the gestation of pregnancy, and then we have the release of this greater thing that these two things have come together in order to form. So we have these two polarized sides that have each put in a little bit of themselves. And now this greater 
third thing has now come forth. And this is a special energy. This is when you're looking uh, throughout the different myths and whatnot, this morning energy or this spring energy, because this cycle of energy, this isn't, I'm not, we're not talking about the light in and of itself. We're talking about the, there's a radiant energy, a special energy. And that only comes from the sun in the early morning and in the early spring. Because when we're looking at one, we're looking at the daily cycle. And then we move up to a more macro with the yearly cycle where the sun is also going through that same exact pattern. And this is what, like, as a, as a pagan heathen, we call this your Ostara energy, your, your spring energy that has a different characteristic, that energy coming from the sun. It, it has a whole different life to it. And it, it just screams and glows. And that's because this is that impregnated radiant energy that's happened. And when you look at it, this is that dew that gets collected in the morning. It's very specifically, it's not from the evening when a lot of times you also get a fog or a mist that doesn't, nobody talks about that. It's only that specific early morning sun. So when you're looking at that, the moon has to be masculine. The moon is the part that's doing the degrading. And whenever you're looking at all these different cosmologies, you always have the, the masculine side, um, your, your horned sheep side, your ram side. This is dirty and degradatory. Well, it is dirt. It is degradatory. This feminine side does not degrade. This masculine side needs to degrade. And when you take this into a sexual aspect, uh, this man, when you're looking at a man that gets all worked up and horny, um, they, oh, especially with a goat, they piss all over their own face and they start doing all these weird things and making nasty noises. And it, it, it's really pretty rugged and they're going to degrade themselves and actually, and part of them is going to break off. So this is an ejaculation from the moon. The moon is going to ejaculate and inseminate the sun with its electron and then its ion. And then the sun is going to birth out this Ostara energy or this radiant energy, which when you're looking at the galvanic cell, you can't use that energy that broke off from the elect from the anode. It's got to go through this entire process before you can take that energy from the cathode. But only, like I said, that negative electrons are being released out of the cathode. The ion sticks with the cathode, which is part of the story we're going to continue on with here in a bit. Well, we should, we should point out that there's, you know, if you think about things in this way, and first of all, um, if the sun was negative and feminine on the next plane up the spiritual plane, that would be flipped. That would reverse for anything, any gender that's male, it will flip. Um, so male would become negative or male would be positive on the plane we're on. But NASA did a thing back during the time they were lying about landing on the moon that kind of backs up what you're saying. And it always confused me. Um, they claimed they had landed on the moon and they launched this thing into the sun. And so it always seemed backwards. If the moon is feminine, why is the feminine launching anything into the male? But when you think about it in the way you're thinking about it, I mean, you can pick it up. Do you remember what NASA did? Absolutely. Yes. When they, when they did, when they launched that at the sun, 
And, and this is again, an insemination and it's, it's the same thing as the same ideas when you're doing the nine 11 where they're, they're starting a process and they're going to, it's their baby. Now they're trying to inseminate something into our world. And once they've done that, then you look at nine 11, they're doing the alchemy on our world. Like, uh, even with, and here's something I'd given some thought when you'd asked last time, when you see the tower break down, as soon as you start basic alchemy, the first thing you do is pull out that mercury and sulfur. These are the two figures that you're seeing falling out of the tower. You're taking that, uh, you're removing the sulfur and the mercury from the body. When, as soon as you start that alchemical breakdown, in, in every way, they're using the natural cycle in order to uh, try and inseminate these ideas into us and try and bring the world about to what they want. And they do a good job of it. So this reminds me, Jason, remember the episode we did with the, uh, the alchemical book had like 15 images. I can't remember the name of the book. Do you guys remember? It's a, it's a completely image-driven alchemical work. It was with uh, Howdy. Howdy, that's right. I can't remember, but there is a big part of the imagery. This is a, an alchemical work. I can't believe I can't think of the name of it. And they make a big point in the imagery of collecting that morning dew. The other thing that struck me is if, in fact, I'm correct and the moon is see-through when it's new, that you could correlate that over to the gender idea or a man being flaccid. And as it begins to get full, it begins to get hard. And then there's the whole sexual connotation, of course, that goes on when those things happen in the real world as it would if the speculation we're making is correct. But that's what got me because it's always had problems and flaws, though I still stick by what I said. I'm convinced that the moon is going to be proven to be see-through. And anyone can do this. It's just very difficult to do because, first of all, you can't see the moon. So if you see stars, you have to be able to prove that the stars you're seeing are where the moon is supposed to be. And secondarily, it always is going to be very close to the sun um, to be a new moon. And so most of the time, it's just so difficult to get the right conditions to film. But what's important about that do? Can we step back to what you were just saying, though, um, before that? Sure. So the way this cycle is working, now you look at the moon, when you're looking at the luminaries, the reason most of them don't look solid is they're not, but this is really fine particles, you know, molecules of these metals coming together, just like happens in nature where like, like bodies will start, like things will start pulling together. So you can imagine a whole bunch of silver particles just all screaming together in one pile, but not actually interlocked together. Now, this special morning sun, which also creates this dew, which also gives every man his morning wood, is, and starts soaking in to the silver particles of the moon. Now, when silver particles take in that radiation, the funny thing about silver is that radiation in and of itself will then soak into it and it'll interlock in between these silver particles and it'll all look like one big solid thing. And it's not, it's the radiation itself is bonding in between. So then it, all these little particles will all become one big, one big mass that looks solid, 
even though energy is the only thing that's making most of these bonds. Now, then when those bonds are released, where we're looking at this ejaculation, now we go from being hard to ejaculating where you're releasing this thing. And this needs to happen because now that this silver is all together and solid, it is able to be degraded. When it was just these fine, tiny little perfect particles, no degradation could happen. Now a degradation can happen. And then as this energy now is being released, now that this degradation's happened, it's released as luminescence when it comes out of silver. So now this goes over and impregnates the sun after this degradation. And now the moon releases all that energy and all those particles become loose and move away from each other. And now the moon takes on a translucence because of this, because these particles are no longer bound. And now that sun is now impregnated. And after this entire gestation and the sun then releases that energy, which comes out in this morning Ostara energy, now that soaks into the moon, then making the moon hard again, and then till the moon goes through its degradation and ejaculates. And then that then impregnates the sun. The moon goes soft. The sun does its gestation, releases this energy. So you have this beautiful oscillation back and forth every day and throughout and seasonally then throughout the year that's happening that is giving out life. And every time with that morning dew, you're talking about the radiant Ostara energy that's just loaded with energy. You're, that's that's going to have so much more life in it than everything else throughout the day. It's the, no different than eating a microgreen as opposed to a, to a flowered or fruited, where in all different type of species of plants, there's all these different extra vitalization and minerals in life, in that young, young life. And that's the way you need to look at the energy that the sun's just provided. In the morning, that's nice, new, vibrant, young life, just full. And then at the end of the day, it's deplete. So when you're trying to process this and you're going and out and getting that morning dew, you're taking in dew that's got this radiant, vibrant life all in it. I mean, an animal, if you've ever seen an animal, an animal will go and drink out of running water every chance that it gets. If you turn on the hose and you're filling up your dog's bowl for no reason that you can make out, your dog starts licking out, your dog starts drinking out of the running water rather than drinking out of its bowl because running water maintains that life throughout the day better than still water. The more still it is, the quicker it dies. And animals instinctively know that and just react off that instinct. So, I mean, this is complex. I imagine a lot of people are going, what the hell does any of this matter? So let's try to use nature to see if we can find a problem with what you've just said or find reasons to back it up. So if that phosphorescence in the moon, what, what we referred to a minute ago, it seems to me, since we know the oceans are carefully tied to the moon, and all the creatures in the moon, when we see things like a red tide or the phosphorescence, could that be tied uh, to a moon phase? That, that would back some of the idea for me. But the other thing is, 
in if we're thinking about this in the way that I think I've understood you lay it down, that would mean that gold or the sun would have to provide for every other metal. In other words, if there was really a special alchemist that could turn anything into gold or vice versa, you should be able to start with gold and get every other metal out of it, right? Absolutely. So now when we're looking at this process, that process is going to be electrolysis. Okay. So what happens is, is the gold is going to take in a hard energetic charge. As this takes in this energetic charge, it's going to break, that's going to break apart the actual cathode or the gold. And as this happens, then that reverses the galvanic process and it turns into electrolysis process. And now the gold will actually travel over to the silver and then down all the way until it becomes lead. And it will actually start doing that. And so each of these plates will become thicker and the gold cathode will become thinner through this electrolysis process. And what we're seeing with that is the expansion of the universe with the electrolysis, where everything started out as this gold cathode and with an energetic charge breaks down and becomes these other luminaries, which, you know, there's seven classic luminaries. You're talking about your seven days and all this. This is the breakdown and the, the rebuilding of the electrolysis process. Then after the system is built, now we have the voltaic process where now this system that had expanded out is now breaking down again and going through a reduction. And so what we have is, is a, when we take a, a basic plant and I go plant that plant in the ground, it turns into this big giant plant and expands clear out. Then as an alchemist, I turn around and I go it, put it through the reduction process and I put the whole thing through, through this process and work it all the way back down into its fine original form until it's clear back down into what it originally was. Only the difference in between is going to be that when, I, when it was just this tiny plant, I only had a little bit of oil and a little bit of salt. Now I've got a giant bit of oil and a giant bit of salt. So I've had an expansion that happened of the, of the actual true essence of the thing throughout this whole process. So I guess I got to ask the obvious question, and you brought up L.C. King earlier. Um, for those who remember in the forum, L.C. King used to have some very interesting ideas. Uh, he tried to float them in the forums, but most people couldn't see it or couldn't find the value in it. I always did, and I appreciate what he was doing, but in the way that you're thinking about things, and let's face it, we're talking about making the sun female. We're talking about all these things which are not typically taught in the West, as far as I know. Doesn't that mean that you got to re-question the Zodiac? And I know Elsie King had been doing that for a long time. As a matter of fact, we've asked him back on or to come on for the first time uh, because I know his ideas differ slightly from you. But if everything is backwards and we've been shown everything in reverse, what does that say about the Zodiac and how we accept the sky clock? Absolutely. And, and, and then even, and these are things that LC, LC and I spend 
hours on the phone questioning everything, arguing with each other, um, agreeing with each other, um, looking at things from a from a chemical aspect, from an uh, electrician's aspect, looking at it, looking through the old myths, trying to piece all these things together. And when we looked at this, one of the things that we found was as soon as you go back behind, beyond the Abrahamic takeover of the world, all these cultures that before the Abrahamic touch, where the Abrahamics started coming in and and adjusting their society, every other society, the moon was masculine and the sun was feminine. Um, when you look at ancient Egyptian, the moon is just a penis. It's not even a person. It's just a penis. Key points. Key points. You know, the Hindus uh, have made the claim in some of the old texts that even the idea of Abraham is drawn and re even the word shuffled from Rama. And as we know, uh, Sanskrit was a much more complex, all-encompassing way to speak. It would have like quadruple entendres in a single sentence. But the point I'm making is what we can see running up towards Egypt where the feminine was always on top. What we see when the Abrahamic comes in is that's flipped, right? So then men, but the, the, the paternal idea becomes everything. And women are like this side thing. And you might get to be a nun, but you're not playing a role in this religion. And that does not jive with what nature teaches us to be true. Exactly. When you're, when you're looking at things and you're looking at nature in any way, the feminine is always the chaos. This is going to draw things, bring the light. When, when you're looking at like, in my, in my personal uh, culture, Germanic, the sun was feminine and the moon was masculine. And even in the beginning of creation, the feminine side was a dumbla, the great feminine cow, and the masculine side was Ymir, the great frozen giant. Now, the great frozen giant gets licked by a dumbla, and there's so many other cultures, like even immediately people can take and look at a dumbla and think Hathor. And the, her licking into the ice is the same as the horns of Hathor or the rays of the sun unfreezing the ice. So now the masculine side is able to move and have power and, and have ability. Now, the thing about that is also then is the masculine side is what's creating the direction or, or the, the, it's giving structure. So when you're looking at, uh, the way things work, then this feminine side had radiant energy. And the thing about radiant energy is it's just blasting everywhere. You're not getting a whole lot of use out of it. You're just getting this one sliver of it. Where now when you start adding structuring or you start adding a, a channel to, to direct that, now you got something. And so when you're looking at this masculine side, this is where you're getting your structuring. And this was the ice side. And the feminine side brought the chaos, brought the life, you know, brought the change. And when you look at the world, this is, this is imitated in every way, including just in basic humans. Uh, any, most women, they've got to change things consistently. Like I, I come home, I'll go out and work in the, out in the field somewhere and I'll come in and my whole half my house is rearranged for no apparent reason. And I don't know, it was fine before I knew where everything was. I don't know where anything is now, but apparently it's better 
because I don't know why, but this is just the feminine nature. They are the chaos. And that's in why. that same, <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's exactly why. why, because you will work your entire life as a man to balance the equation Yes, and your wife or your significant other will work her entire life to unbalance the equation. And without that, nothing moves. Exactly. It would just be static nothingness. But as you're speaking, it occurs to me, we even have examples of what you just laid down in the Asian cultures who will still use the moon and still claim the moon is masculine, but they'll use it in time. Um, the thing about that is, I don't know, it was a few years ago, I finally read that the most feminine of cultures is Asian cultures. And I'd never really thought about it. And I started looking into it. They have the least hair. They work well in groups. And it's true. They take on the attributes that we would assign a more feminine as compared to a more masculine uh, society. And so you can see the reality in nature. But I would suggest to you that what you're suggesting is still alive in some of the age in the current Asian traditions. Absolutely. And and, and in even other traditions, like you look at uh, the same thing within, with the... Uh, what we would call Native American or First Nation, um, like with First Nation, the women, if you want to get impregnated, they would go out and expose their genitals to the full moon, which would be the erect moon that is getting ready to release into the sun. And this is followed in so many cultures. And, and then you look at the Abrahamic culture and some of the things that they're that they do with this reversal, like it's a it's a patriarchal it's turned things into a patriarchal society. But when you look at it, on the for the Christian and Jewish, where most people uh, in the Western world follow, it's male mutilation that is perfectly acceptable. Male genital mutilation, Fem, it, you know, just the idea of feminine mutilation will send people into complete convulsions and they're ready to send in the army. But male mutilation, that's completely acceptable with absolutely no medical backing whatsoever to the benefit of it. Like, no, we just cut these little... So, exactly. And then you look at the... How is the uh, power and understanding passed through the Jewish cosmology? If the mother has a son, he's Jewish. It doesn't matter who the, and now you, uh, the man can go out and procreate with a non-Jew and that child's not Jewish. But the mother, if she has a child, that's Jewish. That child's always a Jew. Everything's passed through. The, right. And so you have a matrilineal people that uh, uh, also mutilate <laughs> the men. And then you're telling me that this is a patriarchal society and I don't understand. <laughs> well, well, if you're right, they've actually, they've actually done a double reverse on everything. And interestingly enough, the culture we're speaking about still has a loony solar or solar loony calendar. In other words, they don't fake like they can do everything a calendar needs with just the sun like we do, which isn't true. Um, so it's an interesting idea. Even the naming of the sun, the sun would show that somewhere along the line, they wanted to be so deceptive or hide the information for the priest class alone that they were going to swap the gender of the sun. I mean, it's, it's interesting ideas. Absolutely. Very interesting ideas. And it's what's a bit ironic is when we try to talk about this and bring it back to the gender of nature that we're all familiar with, 
It's got a pornographic overtone because we are so kind of perverted in our natural thinking that we can't think about gender and sex in that way because we're so surrounded by the idea of porn now. It's hard for us to even think about the legitimacy of gender and nature and the way we've laid it down um, to the point where someone sees an obelisk, they start screaming penis. (laughs) <laughs> and then they forget that half the world has penises. You know, it's 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 crazy where we've come. What about the Earth? Is it Mother Earth or is it the Fatherland? <laughs> the Earth. It's so then. Okay, so now now we've got to expand the entire understanding. When we were looking at this, we've already explained the different uh, metals and the different plates. But the battery doesn't operate off metals and plates alone, does it? So now underneath this, what we have is a salt bridge or a crystal bridge, right? And that has to be mixed. There has to be a a mercury mixture or an electrolytic solution. So now we have to start looking at these other key components. Now the, the salt bridge is what's actually carrying the charge. Now, when you look at water, water itself is actually an insulator, okay? If you take distilled water and you put an electrode on both sides of this distilled water, absolutely nothing happens. And then if you take a handful of salt and you chuck a nice handful of salt in there, all of a sudden, bam, charge passes because water itself is an insulator. Now, you also can't take that pile of crystal and put an electrode on both sides because, again, nothing's going to happen. Are you suggesting are, are you suggesting that that's the, I mean, as a side note, that, that that's Thor's crystal bridge, how he's traveling everywhere? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Thor, Thor, Thor is definitely, he's got, that's why Thor's got the hammer. And Thor's the god of lightning. He's bringing down that. He's bringing down that lightning and making that connection. And he even has to wear special gloves and everything to do it. Yeah, I I hadn't drawn the line that that crystal bridge was salt or could be right. So that is that is salt, and that's where your charge is actually carrying through. Now that charge, like I said, will not carry just in the salt. It's got to be turned into a solution. So now here's where we start bringing mercury into the story. And this is the same thing when you're looking at alchemy and anything else. Mercury, which always is fluid. And this is why mercury, the metal, is used as the example and as the the philosophical example. Because it always has to be a liquid. Now, this liquid's job is then going to open up this hard salt and allow this sulfur to pass into the salt because that's what we're talking about here is getting this energy from this side to this side. And so mercury, the messenger, the way in all these different stories, they are trying to describe that this is the dude that is making it happen. He's the one who's making the transition happen. This is the, the, the third being in the Trinity because You've got the salt side or, or your, your demons or your hell or your frozen, your, your masculine side that's immobile. And then you've got this chaos side. And neither of these sides, life can happen in. 
in the pure masculine side, in the pure structure, nothing can move, nothing can live. In the pure feminine side, this pure, this pure fiery chaos, nothing can live because everything changes constantly. Nothing can take root and grow. Well, we should tie it to what's going on in the world. If you're grasping what's being laid down, why does it matter? Look, look at what's become of gender in our time, where there's an official point of view that gender doesn't matter anymore. The truth is, is what Ben is laying down, whether or not it's completely structured, the gender ideas are sound, provably sound. If you want more human beings, then for human beings, gender matter. It's that simple. You can't argue with it because nature proves that that is true. And so to obscure gender in the way that we're suggesting maybe it happened, where the sun is actually feminine on our plane, but some time ago, some priest class that wanted us to all be backwards convinced us all it was masculine. I'm not saying I know this to be true, but I'm reasoning out why. In the same way, our news comes on every night right now and tries to make gender this thing that has no concrete importance is akin to prepping for an extinction event. Because at the very base of even natural science or alchemy, what we're trying to talk about here is the importance of gender. Now, this is not to say that every possibility can and will happen in nature. It is to say that when these possibilities have been blown out from 2% or 1% or 10% to 90%, now you've truly changed something in a big way. And I think it bears consideration. Absolutely. Well, another very interesting thing is, is so when you look at the battery, again, we, we bring this back every time to this galvanic cell that anybody can build and make happen on their table, um, is when that battery starts to wear out, what happens? All your electronics in your house, all your different things that run off of that battery, off of that energy start going sideways, don't they? All of a sudden you can't, your phone won't pull up apps. It pulls up things you didn't even touch. It's tight. You know, you can't type in things. It, you know, it, it registers half of what you just said, but not the other half. All kinds of just weird things start happening. You, your car battery is too low and you click over your key and your car's making noises you've never heard. All kinds of weird things. The same thing's going to happen in this galvanic cell. So as it comes to the end of a cycle, we're going to start being A, energy deplete, as opposed to at the beginning of the cycle, when we had that Ostara energy that was just full of abundant life, it's going to start being deplete. And things are going to start working really weird. We're going to start having like little weird glitches that you can't really explain. Wouldn't the Ostara energy be Easter? Aren't we talking about the idea of Easter? Yes, your spring energy. Okay. So for, for Christians of all sorts, the idea would be the Easter energy. Yes, which is what's so very special about that energy. And then we look at it and how it's represented is the egg. That's what we're looking at even with this battery is we're the cosmic egg. And we're, you know, and from that entire idea, the, the masculine has to inseminate that life inside of that egg. And then that egg is now taking on the life and it's sitting inside of this shell. This is us. So this whole thing still always has to happen in the same exact cycle all the time. But we're starting to get deplete. So now when you start getting deplete and we start looking again at all these different myths and cosmologies, 
Well, what happens? In my Germanic cosmology, this, this is the end cycle. We're talking about Ragnarok. Now, with Ragnarok, the seven, the seven planets or luminaries all line up. And then Sirt and his army come riding down on horses. And Sirt drives his fiery sword through the luminaries. And this burns everything to ash. And then also melts a substantial amount of the meltwater from the bottom because it's ice world and fire world colliding. Because while Sirt and his armies of fire are charging down, then the ice giants are also coming up on a great ship, the Neglfar ship, and they're coming up and these two things meet. So the entire universe or world gets burnt into fire and turns into ash and gets washed clean with water. The water recedes. And when the world comes back, it comes back green with fruits and grains that were never sown by the hands of man. And in, in my personal cosmology, then a man and a woman come out of the mud, Lif and Lefrasir, and they come out of the mud and restart civilization or mankind. All are of the dust. Right. Same idea. So when we look at a galvanic cell, when my galvanic cell gets deplete, what do I do? I throw in a battery charger. So now I take a hard energetic charge or that fiery sword. I throw it into the cathode. It goes into the cathode and breaks everything apart and realigns and resets everything. And now it's all got a real nice, full, hard charge and everything's green and you don't have to go out and work hard to make it happen. And it's just life's just abundant everywhere. So what we're talking about is with these, with so many of these myths is uh, every, every now and then every great cycle after the battery ends up unwinding itself, then the all father himself has to come in and throw a hard charge into it and recharge the system. And once that happens, everything's fresh and new. Let's draw the picture. Why does any of this matter? Let's take the idea of languages. How is it that in English, we've come through all these other languages, we've adopted many pieces and parts, and many of these languages have a gender built into the language. If I'm speaking Spanish and I say la mesa, I've told you about a table, and I've also told you the gender characteristic of that idea is female, or I could say el toro. I've told you about a bull, but the gender characteristic of that communication was male. How is it that we got up to English, which is a more modern language, and all genders been stripped? Well, I'll tell you how that is. Look at the movies around you right now. This, why this is all important is because for more of us to be here, gender exists. For us not to understand or lose track of gender is to temporarily be unable to do much of anything to include replicate ourselves. If you go look at things like the movies in recent years, the idea has been, well, women have been marginalized, which they truly have. So now we're going to bring the feminine to the fore and make a more dominant role for feminine. But that's not actually what's going on. Females are pulling into roles that are basically male roles, like they can beat everyone up or they can pick up a machine gun and do male things. So even the idea of trying to get the genders back up to balance somehow is being skewed by the people who are working very 
part, day and night, to skew our idea of what gender actually is. That's why I thought this whole episode was important, because the moment I began to realize, what if I got it all backwards? What if the moon is masculine and vice versa for the sun too? Not only does it diminish anything I can know or do, but it puts me on a path to failure at any higher level at anything you endeavor to do. So I think it's critical to think about these things, but Ben, anything you want to quickly add before we wrap up hour one and get ready for hour two? Yeah, actually, uh, I've finally, uh, I've got a Rockfin channel going now. It's Odin's Alchemy. And uh, I'd appreciate everybody to come visit that if you could. And my YouTube has also been going. I, I'm putting at least half episodes up on my YouTube. Um, so now that I've actually got internet, uh, we had to do this uh, weird Voltron thing with our internet in order to get enough internet for me to actually do this. So I'm sitting in my home right now, gentlemen, and sounding good, right? Yeah. Uh, but this took, we have to have six modems and like every five days we have to switch to another modem in order to have enough internet uh, through Star, uh, Skylink or Starnet or whatever to. Uh, do this so but we've got with my steve from slow news days moved into my place and uh so now there's two of us so we're putting up a studio and we got the proper internet so we got a show going and uh you can hear us giving the more uh chemical and scientific breakdowns of things and whatnot all right well that's gonna bring our one and i know a lot of this is challenging to think about but the reason it matters is because nature matters there's no lie in nature if we can use nature as a barometer or a thermometer or any O-meter, um, we've found truth. These are not questionable things, but we've come to a period of time where things like gender, which is foundational, if there was an elemental idea, gender would be one of those elemental ideas. For us to have a baby, we got to have gender. We've got to have more than just gender, but at the base of it, there has to be gender. We live in an age where that has wholly been brought under attack to the point where people like me are not even sure what gender the sun is. Thought I knew, not so sure I know anymore. And so that's why this matters. I live in an age where provably in the 1970s, women were told, you know what? You've been marginalized for all these decades because men suck. So just start acting more like men and you can have a more dominant role in society. These are carefully planned things to do a single thing, to take the basic building blocks of what it means to be alive, in this case, gender as one of those building blocks, and turn them into Scrabble chips, turn them face down, and then shuffle the word, and then ask everybody, how do you spell the word gender? Not only can they not see the letters, the letters are face down and all shuffled. That's what's going on here. At the end of the day, if we think about feminine as a gender, there was a time not too long ago when the idea of motherly love would have been a good way to describe that side of gender. And yet look around us right now, look at what's going on. We could almost say that what we are witnessing is an attempted extinction event. In other words, what can we do to stop reproduction? What can we do to eliminate as much reproduction as gone up to now? Think about what we are saying. And think about what has happened to gender as a piece of this onslaught to, I don't know if it's total extinction, but it sure as hell is reduce humanity by Lord knows what degree. 
But anyhow, that's the end of hour one for episode 362. Join us at crow777radio.com for hour two. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and healthy gendered new era. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.